What is up, designers? Welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast, man. Um, to keep this uh, intro short, man, I just want to say, man, life works in particularly our subconscious works in mysterious ways that sometimes may make you think, you know, well, that makes me think particularly that there are things beyond us operating, like the serendipity that happens when things are meant to happen is, is, is without a doubt some of the craziest stuff you'll ever experience when you get on the path, when you get on the journey. That's really what I'm talking about in this episode. And so I'm talking about the serendipity that I discovered recently sitting out in a car one late night uh, and how my past aligns with the prompt for this upcoming summit that we have called Surviving the Cancel Summit. And uh, it's pretty freaky stuff. It's, 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 it's paranormal in a way. So um, without further ado, I'm going to send you over to the episode and I hope you enjoy. How do people like us, the visionaries, the creatives, real people with real ideas, people who don't have mass budgets, platforms or teams, and people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus, influencers and big brands, the people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar. How do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise in not only a massive, but a massively profitable way? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Grand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, pushing them out into the world, and informing mass movements. Man, designers. Um, it is so funny, like, how, like, your subconscious mind works and, like, plays tricks on you and, I don't know, just the way your subconscious mind behaves with reality. And maybe it's not even your subconscious mind. Maybe it's just forces beyond us, you know. There's been a lot of things that I've come across and, and felt and discovered on this journey that really has alluded to the feeling that there are forces or objectives or opinions and design beyond what I'm doing myself even being someone that is you know traditionally non-religious it's like I felt that in a lot of ways but it's crazy how your subconscious mind and maybe possibly things beyond you align life and put together scenarios uh, in such a serendipitous and perfect way. Um, I was, uh, where was I now? I was, I believe out here. It was a late night. I was going to record a podcast episode. I was just sitting in a car and I was reflecting over my life when the true emotional meaning behind this summit that's happening on September 30th called the Surviving the Cancel Summit just kind of came to me you know just you know the idea just flashed across my mind like the meaning of it all to me like it's it's funny how I guess what I'm meaning to say is it's funny how your subconscious influences and projects itself you know itself in your in the things that you manifest for the world okay and so I want to tell you about the emotional meaning behind this summit and what like like what it means to me even though I hadn't realized it up until, you know, about a few days ago. Okay, so uh, in order to kind of explain this, I guess I could, should, even though a lot of you have heard my story in previous episodes, I should probably start, you know, at the beginning. So at the beginning of everything, um, I'm a college dropout. 
um, and I'm working the night shift starting at 4 a.m. at the local Target, you know, but in my free time, I'm doing everything that's in my power, everything that's in my imagination to structure a business that allows me to harvest capital and push the messages and things that I believe in out into the world in a way that actually impacts and changes people, you know. That was something that even even before dropping out of college, this was something I was working at tirelessly over and over and over again. I wanted the things that I believed in, like that, because everybody feels this way. You're, you're you're young, you're frustrated, and you got these ideas and these these beliefs that you know if people understood and implemented, it would change their lives forever. But you don't really know how to tell them. Like it's a wall or a barrier stopping them from understanding you, and it's so much frustration around trying to pr- like imp- like get other people to implement the things that they actually say and that you believe that they need for their life, their soul, their health. Um, whatever, and that was the position I was in. I'm trying to f- figure out how to, you know, structure a business because that's the point of business as a tool: harvest capital and profitably push out your message and your ideas in the world in a way that actually explicitly changes people's lives for the better. And I was trying over and over again, iterating over and over and over again, ways to do exactly that. Okay, but just like anybody that's you know going along the same pathway that I was going along, um early on because of some of the decisions that I made were non-traditional. You know, I dropped out of college. Uh, I was working at, you know, this job that wasn't like a real career. Um, I was pretty much at Target stocking shelves for like, uh, what, $12 an hour. Um, And because of that lifestyle that I was living, even sometimes being in between jobs and just working purely on these things that I believed in and I could believe in their uh, ability to change the world, uh, my parents didn't really agree with the life that I was living because of that it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, it was a lot it was a war you know it was all out war I experienced and this is not to pin it to my parents or blame them or anything like they're just trying to you know in hindsight I can see this but at the time I couldn't see this they're just trying to make sure that I'm good and make sure I'm living you know a, a righteous and happy life that they that you know that they set out for me um so you know, in, in everything that they, every action that they take in this story is rightfully so. They have every right to do that. You know, I'm living with them. I'm 22 years old. That's already like, you know, you sh- shouldn't be doing things like that. But um, but there was war, man. There was a lot of aggression, uh, a lot of bumping of heads, a lot of you know going back and forth between us on the basis of my decisions. Okay, but you know, I was believing in my decisions. I had a lot of fire in my heart, so I persisted with them every single day, just trying as hard as I can. Until one day, you know, a lot of and this wasn't the first time this happened. One day, it all kind of came to a head. I remember my father was frustrated with me. You know, I would come in the house sometimes, and he would give me a stern talk about changing my life. They just wanted me to take the traditional path. You know, just go to school and make a you make this thing that I was doing official, make a real career out of it with a degree and everything attached to it, and uh, and also work. You know, work a job and, and and do do these things that normal people do. Be normal for once. Um, yeah, and so that, that's kind of the path that they wanted me walking. So one day, and this one wasn't the first time it happened, it all came to a head. I remember walking in the house. He walked in the house, and he'd give me these stern talks every now and then. But, uh, you know, it was the middle of the day. Everyone was sitting in the living room. My mother and him was sitting in the living room. He just kind of looked at me with an exhausted look on his face, and he said, um, we kind of really, it really started off with the entire conversation as it normally goes, man. What are you doing with your life, you know? Why aren't you going to school? Like we, we, like we set everything up for you to succeed. Why don't you just take the easy route that's in front of you and do the, you know, and do the right thing? You know, ask me, you know, about the business and how, you know, it's never worked for you. So why are you still pursuing it? It obviously is broke. These people are just scammers. They're trying to take your money. 
It's all these different ideas that we discuss. And then it comes to a point in time where he just sighs and he says, you know what? I'm going to make you an ultimatum. Um, you got, I don't remember how long it was, 30 days to the end of this month or something like that. And uh, at the end of this month, you know, if you don't decide to heed my advice, you know, I'm going to make you an ultimatum. And that's pretty much what he said to me. And so, you know, because this wasn't really, he's never said that exactly, but because it wasn't the first time they were frustrated with me, I didn't really take it seriously. And so I go about my life. During the period of time, it was about the summertime of 2019, me and my girlfriend and, you know, not me and my girlfriend, my girlfriend was on this, you know, like she's an actor. So she was, you know, acting in a film that was centering out in D.C. And so that we spent that entire summer acting, you know, she spent that entire summer acting. I was just accompanying her, watching her film and working as a little ghostwriter or whatever it is that I was doing at the time, uh, which was working as a ghostwriter on Fiverr to be exact uh, for little, you know, little small amounts, like $200 every 10,000 words, like ridiculously cheap. Um, just slaving. There were times I would sit like, and that was how I was pretty much making money. And then I would go to work at the Target at 4 a.m. at night, um, sometimes late because they would film so late. Uh, at the conclusion of that film, to make a long story short, we were all on set. It was about 2 a.m. somewhere off in D.C. I believe the street was 5th and V. Uh, it was a beautiful night, man. It was dark. It was quiet. You know, street lights were on. You know how it is like in summer when you're out in the city and crickets, and it was beautiful. Um, but someone comes on set. And literally, which because I said was like in the middle of the road and they rob us at gunpoint. Like they literally pulled a pistol out, held it like to the back of us, to the back of our heads. And, you know, just says, give me all the money. And, um, you know, it was an experience that really stung. It was an experience that I would close my eyes and I would see for the for, for the following weeks, you know, because of the. One thing that stood out about that situation, man, just to get to the core of what I really want to say is. In that situation where I'm considering, like, where this, you know, you may flash out of existence and be dead on the pavement at 22 years old, you and your girlfriend, you know, um, one of the things, like, the brevity of life became so obvious to me at that moment. It was, like, glaringly obvious. Like, it was, like, you know, and it really broke my heart because I reflected over everything that I'd done in my life and I realized I wasn't working at max, max capacity. You know, when you go and watch those motivational YouTube videos and things like that and you swear you're going to do everything tomorrow and you're going to work ceaselessly until your dream come true. You know, it was kind of like a, a super, super visceral version of that happened, super potent. You know, I really reflected on how all the time that I spent working for one. All the time I had spent at school and doing everything that everybody else wanted, wanted in life like all that time really there was nothing to show for it it never really mattered it it, it pretty much didn't exist I, like i didn't even have reference experiences and memories for those times because all those times were monotonous they were pretty much the same day over and over and over and over again it was it wasn't a, a refreshing experience that woke up my mind and actually left a visceral memory so there weren't even really memories to show for those times that i spent two years working at the royal farms two years working at the target and it made me realize how much of the time i was wasting and that i was neglecting the one thing that mattered actually finding a way to push out this message that'll live beyond me this message is evergreen um i looked at this quote the other day man or stephen lawson said this quote the other day i'm gonna go find the quote right now uh that i believe describes it very well let's see oh i remembered off the top life is short but art is long and that pretty much describes everything i felt like the things that would have lived and changed the world beyond my existence weren't there because I was focused on everything else. And if this was it, 
any evidence that I ever existed, anything that I could have done to the world would have flashed out of existence right then and there. And that potential would have been thwarted forever. And nothing would have been changed in the world would have persisted and went on as it had, which obviously, you know, in a lot of ways is a beautiful, it's, it's such a duality because it's a beautiful, perfect world. But I believe there are changes that I would like to make. Like there, I got a lot of problems with it too. Um, which is a strange, like it almost seemed paradoxical, but it's true in a lot of ways. And so, um, and these are thoughts that I have besides worrying and concerning, like to an overwhelming degree about my actual girlfriend that's sitting right there. But, uh, anyhow, that, that was one of the biggest things. And that night I kind of made a silent oath to myself, like no matter what, I'm never going to work at a corporate job again. I'm never going to waste my time on something that's not close to my heart. These are the things that's been burning in me and making me feel so potently since I was young. And I'm never going to sacrifice. If I make it past this moment, I'm never going to sacrifice them for anything ever again. And so obviously we made it out of that moment. And uh, I come out of that moment, you know, with that over my shoulder. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to quit this target. And my parents will understand because it was a traumatic event. And, you know, I'm going to go on and, 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 and really change the world and help people and make a difference while I'm here because I understand like that moment was such a combination of things because it was like the arc of that summer and watching everybody do that on set pushing out the message in the form of this movie and like seeing it in firsthand and people surviving living and thriving and happy front from it and then boom the brevity of it like you can have this but your time is thin like it was always like a message from somewhere beyond this it was one of those serendipitous moments that just happened like and happened for the better and so I decided I walked into my job I put in a 30-day notice and I said look I'm quitting uh I didn't say I'm quitting I said I'm putting a 30-day notice in for my health uh but I'll be back after 30 days but I, I was never coming back in the first place and I knew that I was never going back but that was the best way to do it um you know, I, I even put in that 30 minutes, like, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe what if like what if it's just because like something might come up like and I, I might have to go back and like I left the door open. Like like if, if the wildest shit in the universe happened, then I would go back. But only in that only in that instance. OK, because, you know, it's not just me. I mean, I got to care for my girlfriend. I got to care for her really primarily. And I got to I got to have money and, and, and do the right things for her because we are a unit, you know, and, and that's something that's, you know, doing right by her is part of my my message to, for the world part of my message for the world is is what she receives you know i want that message to affect her and and, and and to change her life more than anything and i gotta sometimes even that message of literally working and earning money like the message that sends to hers is is, is worth working and so that, that was something i had to consider but i walked out of that job and lo and behold the 38 days passed and my father makes me an ultimatum uh despite everything that happened and the ultimatum was this man you're either going to right now apply for college and you're going to go that, you know, the next semester that's available. And uh, you can do that. That's step one. You know, option two, you cannot do that. And you can uh, continue to do what you're doing and continue to work. But in order to live here, you're going to have to pay me $500 per month in rent okay now those were the two options that were given okay but obviously there was a third unspoken option and that third option was neither I can not go to school and I cannot work and 
I can dive with both feet first and really pursue everything that's been weighing down my fucking heart since I was young. Since I was since I was young, I can pursue like everything that I felt in the, in, in the midst of that robbery while, while it was going on the slow motion of life. You know, cascading down to one moment and one visceral idea. I can pursue that idea and help people for it. I can jump feet first. And so the first two options, the problem that I had with them is that going to school and going to work, they would, you know, sap and drain and enwrap and rapture my time, my effort, my ideas and my energy and all that stuff to such a degree that at the end of the day, the willpower that I had left to pursue, you know, the, the vehicles that have pushed my message out into the world would be destroyed. It would disable me from pursuing like what I feel is the reason that I'm here. And with the third option that I had, you know, maybe I wouldn't have a home, but at least I could stay true to my heart. And so out of the three options, you know, I chose the last one. And so what does that story have to do with the surviving the cancel summit? Okay. Effectively, I, I chose the streets. I chose my heart at the expense of a home. I wouldn't have a home if I chose that option. And that actually came to pass. And um, essentially with the idea that I'm trying to promote in this podcast episode is like, I live the prompt first. The prompt of surviving the cancel summit is you have 30 days to turn your unpopular opinion into a popular opinion. And if you don't make it by the end of the 30 days, you become canceled and your life, your business, your livelihood, everything falls apart and fails. And essentially, like I did, this is completely serendipitous. I didn't plan this, but looking back, it literally coincides. Um, I was canceled. I didn't believe in the mainstream path, the mainstream narrative that people should live this way. They should go to school, go to college and get a job, get married and die. I didn't believe in that narrative. And because I didn't believe in that narrative, man, I've, I've gone from even so years before that through so much, so many wars, so many aggressions, so many scars, so many. Like I've been called everything under the sun by everybody close to me. Man, like, bro, I, I've been called schizophrenic, you know, like I'm hearing voices just telling me to do stupid illusions of grandeur. Like I've been, I've been told I got a psychological disorder, a personality disorder. I've been tacked and called a bum, like everything under the sun. Like I went through the trenches for these things, but like just because I believed in something different, you know, and effectively got expunged, expelled from the place that I live. Like I said, rightfully so, though, rightfully so. I love my parents. Ain't no ill will towards them for doing what they had to do to make me the person that they need felt like I needed to become. And they own the house. I'm 22. I have no business there in the first place. But I was expunged from home on the basis of this. I was canceled. Okay? And I realized, like, just sitting here out in, in the night the other day, man, if I had, you know, this summit and the ideas that these speakers want to bring, if I had the tools to make my unpopular opinion a popular opinion, even just amongst my family, within 30 days, and I could build community around that in a profitable way, none of this would have happened. None of this would have had to happen. And it was a lot of pain 
that's what I'm referring to. Obviously, the pain brought out a great result in terms of me personally, like personal development, but it was a lot of pain and none of that pain would have had to happen. I wouldn't have been canceled and I would have made it in 30 days and I would have probably been living a very, very enjoyable life because of it. <laughs> it, w- it would have been great to, you know, because there were months and months and months and months in time where I didn't speak to my family at all and I, I really thought they hated me and I had a lot of hate and vitriol for them and the situation that happened was a lot of misunderstandings that happened, you know, moving to California and all the arguments I had from that, you know, having negative $300, having my bank account shut down, having my girlfriend literally, like, you know, her her um, her mother, you know, tried to send money, but the cash app or the Venmo was down and she couldn't send money. And so that night, the, the hotel that we were trying to stay at, like, we literally couldn't stay there. And so we didn't know where we were going to go driving around the city and then coming to like a Motel 6, a cheap rundown Motel 6 and having to divide on, on her debit and credit cards across like five different debit and credit cards just to pay for the hotel um, that one night. And then even beyond that, really not knowing what we were going to do, like... Like the flurry of incidents and the heartbreak and the emotions, all of that, you know, that I know a lot of you are going through right now. The alienation, the fatigue from trying to trying to help people and tell them your messages, it, it weighs so much. And sometimes it makes me so angry that I can't express it. If I had known how to turn my unpopular opinion into a popular opinion, to convert that message in a way that pierced people's hearts seriously, then we could have hit the rewind button and done this all a completely different way. You know, a lot of things are permanently broken because of the way things were done. My entire past went up in flames the moment I left. Everything that I had in my room, you know, there were a lot of memorabilia. Like, so, like, I'm a super, super sentimental person in terms of memory. And, like, a lot of the things I had kept like for because the memory was visceral like I had like the Laffy Taffy from my girl me and my girlfriend's year anniversary um it's gone you know because my parents cleaned out my room and a lot of the things that I held near and dear were thrown out along with it you know um you know I don't I don't I don't know if my uh my corsage um you know, because we got corsages for our dates, even before, um, for our proms, even from both proms, even before we got together. I don't know if the corsages are still there, you know, posters and, you know, there are, I can't even remember, like, some, like, it's been so long since I've been home. But it, it, it was so many different things, like, that I just, like, little small things that I just, like, it was a Hershey's team with all the movie tickets that we ever had. Like, literally, like, the last five years of my life were expunged like they went up in flame like they literally were deleted when I left and it didn't have to be that way and people you know I, I know the end result is worth it but the pain that was endured to get here it like it, it it is a lot it is so visceral like I can't even explain it man like even things like you know we have a broken ring was this first or second actually promise ring that I bought it was broken it was smashed um for some incidents that had occurred and I kept those pieces on my dresser um, the candles that we had from our homecomings, like we had these little candles that we lit at the park uh, in 2016, one of the most memorable life nights of my life. I don't know where those are, you know, so many different pieces. I mean, so many different who I was, pieces of who I was were sacrificed to become this person. And it didn't have to be that way. And so if I had this summit, if I had the blueprint 
for the two years even before that, that I struggled and went to war and avoided my parents living in the same house as them and felt guilty for every bite of food that I ate because I couldn't afford it on my own and everybody in his house was paying for it. It didn't have to happen. And even beyond that, this is what I mean because this brings it full circle. The robbery happened on August 26th of last year, okay? And so I left home on September 5th of last year, which, by the way, I put in my 30-day notice, I mean, my 30-day, you know, leave at on October, not October, September 2nd, just before I left my house of last year of 2019. And so my last day, the first day that I was supposed to show back up where I didn't would have been October 3rd of 2019 and so the day the summit concludes October 3rd of 2020 would literally mark the year date from where I officially left my job and it's funny because on the year mark of when I escaped my past and left everything behind for the officially and was finally free is the year mark of where we conclude the event in which we take everything that I needed and use it to set to set free every every other dreamer, every other designer, every other visionary that has a dream, a mission, or something in their heart that they really feel can change the world. It's the day we take people who have burning desires and messages in their hearts and teach them how to make that into make that into community and tribe. That follows them and literally funds the message that they want to promote to the world. And none of that was planned. I didn't plan a single bit of that. I swear it on everything that I love. I did not plan that to happen. It's been a year since I left home and it would be nice to bring in, you know, bring it all to a beautiful conclusion. It's been a long, hard year, man, I tell you. Man, even in this in this podcast, so you know, there's some stories that I hadn't even shared. You know, like the dividing all this money between cards and it's been a year of literally letting go of myself and letting go of ego and and all that, you know, not being able to pay my own fucking rent, having someone else pay it, you know, not being able to pay to eat, having somebody pay for that, the emasculation that you feel and that is training in some sorts, driving is a delivery driver and delivering to people who are richer than you. The people that you want to be. When you feel so low, it's a training exercise that pounds away the ego till there's nothing left. And I feel like maybe if I had the messages that these people were to provide, maybe even still I had to go on the journey to learn. Because my particular fatal flaw is I you know, I view my father and I feel like he's faced some of the same things in his life is narcissism, his ego, his arrogance, his pride, just believing that I can do it all on my own. And I recently just got a partner for the business memoir launch, which I don't know if I told y'all what memoir launch is all about, but you know, because of these things, I experienced a lot of ego that prevented that in early years of let go. Even this summit, 30 speakers coming together were experts who know more than me. You know, um, I don't know, man, I'm just rambling at this point in time. So I'm going to close this episode out. Just thought I'd tell you a story today. Um, like I said, man, the, the, the summit is called the surviving the cancel summit. I'm getting 30 top podcasters and um they're literally going to tell like because business is a is a tool man some people use it to use capital to bring in more capital but 
that'll, you know, if you're someone that has a desire in your heart, you know, that'll never fulfill you. You have a message that you want to get out into the world. You know, uh, the point of business is to harvest capital to create culture, to take capital to fuel an unpopular opinion and to the point where it becomes a popular opinion and people are celebrating it and people are changed because of it and they gather around you and they love it. They live by it. Like like how the Funnel Hacker community celebrates Russell Brunson. He uses cash to literally f- push his media out into the world in the form of his podcasts, YouTube videos, his ads and things like that. And people watch that media and they become funnel hackers. They leave that life the same way I left my life behind and they adopt a new identity. And it, 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 and it also leads to them buying his products. And when they buy that products, he uses that capital to fuel the next round of media, to fuel the next round of media, which, which promotes the ideology and makes more funnel hackers. He creates a culture with it. But not everybody does that. And he's fulfilling his purpose. And his, he feels probably fulfilled and very at peace because he's actually purposeful in his work. So how is it that in 30 days, people can formulate a tool um, that does that without being canceled um, because it is a hard era to formulate new ideas and new opinions because there is a lot of canceling and there's a lot of vicious mean activity that's happening around us and a lot of it's coming from the people that's closest to you so yeah without further ado I'm not going to stop rambling because a lot of this like is, is a review if you listen to this podcast but anyways uh, yeah that's really all I got to say surviving the cancel summit is happening on September 30th it's September 30th okay um, it'll be at survivingthecancel.com. Currently, there's nothing there, so don't even go to look for it. Um, I'll let you know in this podcast when that link goes up. It'll probably be closer to like September 28th is when registration will probably open. And then the actual summit will be on the, the, the 30th, okay? So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking for having you all, having you all there. And hopefully, if you've been that kid and you're still that person that particularly if you're a business owner you're making money but you feel like you're not spreading your purpose you're spreading your message and you're not fulfilled through the operations that you run um i'm here to help with that you know i've got 30 of the best minds who've done that who've literally walked that path there are millions of people probably listen to these, well millions of people definitely like, listen to these people every single day and are part of their cultures um they're going to teach us how to do it so september 30th at survivingthecancel.com uh, other than that, man, I really, 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 really want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks to all the designers to tune into these episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this podcast because that helps so much. And also subscribe. Uh, thanks. It's Dallas from The Grand Design, and I'll see you in the next episode. True or false designers, ghost riders in the modern era are completely outdated and no one should ever use a ghost rider again. Okay, now look, I understand everyone wants to write a book because it is the most effective way to build tribe and community around your central ideas in a profitable way. I understand that. It is the best way to push your ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements. And this is throughout history. Think of the Communist Manifesto. Think of the Bible. Think of Mein Kampf. You know, every time you see an entrepreneur, ask him, how did he get started? He'll say, rich dad, poor dad. You know, he'll say, think and grow rich. The best way to induct people into your tribe is through a book. And there is no denying that. 
But a lot of people, they turn to ghostwriters because there is a gap between the ideas in their head and the words on paper. And that gap is filled with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And I understand that. These are some of the things that I've experienced. Tell me if this is familiar for you. Man, writing my first book, it was just like a soup of ideas in my head and I didn't know where to start. Is that something you've experienced? Like it's like ideas floating around and you don't really know how to structure it. Is that something that you've been through? Like, where do I even put this in this chapter? And then all these blogs, they make a freaking outline. No one wants to make a freaking outline. You know, I could spend that valuable time I spent making outline actually writing the book. How about that? Another thing is time. No one has the freaking time to write a real book. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, you have business to take care of or, or a work to go to or family or actually life to enjoy that's not sitting at a freaking laptop you know well no one wants to spend 365 days of the year the entire summer sitting there two three hours a day crunching in words on a freaking laptop it's completely redundant it's ridiculous you know um that's just even daunting to think about three four five six seven eight nine months to put a book together in one that you're not even sure how to publish or market yet It's an insane amount of work for nothing. And another reason is that some people just might not be good at writing. Just simple and flat out. Is that something that you've experienced? Like, think about it. Like, sometimes writing is just freaking hard. And not everybody was born a writer. No one's born. And so, for these reasons, for these reasons, people turn to these writing coaches and these ghost writers. But, and this is coming from the position of a former ghost writer who's ghost written for people with businesses. Okay. Uh... They never really get what they're asking for. And the reason for that is this. And tell me if you've experienced this. Like, also, have you worked with a ghostwriter and they've given you something back and you're just like, eh? Well, there's like 100% of my clients probably have felt that way throughout history. And the reason is because ghostwriting is like playing a game of telephone. You know, when you tell somebody a phrase and then you tell another person and you tell another person, and by the time you get back to the line, you probably played play this in high school, by the time you get to the back of you know, the last person, they say the phrase and it's something completely different. When you pass your ideas through the mind of another human being, those ideas will not come out their mind or come out their, in their writing without being tainted by their own mind. It's like telling a painter to paint your girlfriend and giving them like descriptions and things like that. Um, not really going to work out. You'll probably still accept it like, eh, this is the best we can get with the system that we're using, but it's not going to be the product that you actually asked for because it's coming through his perception. And because of that, ghostwriters are flawed. And I say this and I admit this as a ghostwriter, but I have good news for you. We're not living in the 1800s anymore where we need scribes. <laughs> you know, we don't, ghostwriters should never be used by anyone on this face of this planet after this year. You know, so I have a solution for you. This is the way that we do it at Memoir Launch. Think of your book, whatever your book might be, however big it might be. I don't care if your book is 500 pages long. That's a big, time-consuming, expensive, and complex thing. And on top of that, ghostwriters like to cost 25 grand for the subpar work they do. Okay, think about your book. 500 pages is a massive, complex thing, right? Now, I, I like to be challenging, so I believe. We can get your book done from cover to cover for way less expensive than a ghostwriter. And exactly in your voice, crystal clear, 100% satisfaction in a span of seven days or less. Now, you might be like, uh, that's kind of impossible. No, it isn't. 
We don't live in the 1900s anymore. We live in the future. And so how do we do that at Memoir Launch? The way we do that, just to keep it simple and not too complex, we rely on voice writing technology. We rely on you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence to take that gap between the ideas in your head and actual text and shrink it. Like we, like we crush it into a span of seven days through new technology and methods. Let me explain to you how this process kind of works. You have these soup of ideas in your head and you don't know how to organize anything from anything. We get a little specialized team for you, maybe one or two people, and we do an interview series with you to bounce back and forth and kind of organize your ideas in a way that's actually like, uh, it reads well, one, and step two, it's actually effective. Because a lot of books, you put them out into the world and they're like, no one cares about them. It's like, you know, they're not effective because those are books. A book is like a letter. What we write for you is called a sales memoir. I'm not trying to get too complicated, so I'm gonna just completely explain this very briefly. A book is like a letter. A sales memoir is like a sales letter. Sales memoirs are the books that indoctrinate your audience and makes them join your tribe by default. Books like, like, like I said, Dot Com Secrets. You read Dot Com Secrets by Russell Brunson, you will become a funnel hacker because it's structured in that way. Most people write, read the Bible, they will become a Christian. Most people in the 1940s, they read the Communist Manifesto because of the way the ideas in the book were structured and you will become a communist. But how, it is, how is it that we structure our ideas in a way that reads well and place them in a book in a way that also indoctrinates? So that's step one. It's a small little interview series. You know, you kind of just talk about everything that you like. <laughs> you know, you, whatever you rant about on a daily basis, you just rant to us. A lot of people describe this process as therapeutic or whatever. And after we do that entire process, we take the audio and all we do, no matter if your book is 200, 300, 400 pages long, we just feed it to the AI. And immediately it pops out something that does not require a bunch of freaking editing from a freaking expensive editor, because these editors are ridiculously priced. It doesn't require a $25,000 ghostwriter. It doesn't require any of that. So what happens after that? Well, you get your manuscript first and foremost. And second, that same team comes along with you in the third phase of the process. We publish the book for you, and then we begin to work on a little marketing campaign to actually get that idea in your head out into the world in a form of a mass movement, okay? Like all the thought leaders in the modern world has. How Tony Robbins has a book, how Russell Brunson has a book, how Frank Kern, everyone has a book. And it's following the same strategy and process they, has, they have. Now, you might be thinking, this is too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> you know, go see for yourself. You know, if you're interested in this process, if you're interested in being part of the memoir launch beta, and it is in beta, and because it's in beta, you're getting a very, very, very one-time extreme discount. But if you want to be part of this beta and potentially get your book done, because it depends on your schedule also, in seven days flat, perfectly in your voice, and deliver it to your house in a hard copy and published then just click the link in the bio below of any of these podcast episodes. It'll be a link to like a website where you can join the waiting list. And when Memoir Launch is ready to launch, we'll start calling people on the waiting list. It's first come, first serve. And so if you sign up late, well, you're going to get called pretty late. Um, but sign up for the waiting list. It'll be a link below. It'll be the only link below. And uh, once you sign up for the waiting list, we'll be in contact with you shortly and we'll help you 
launch your first sales memoir to the world. Okay, well, uh, I don't really know if I have anything else to say about that. Sounds like a cool process though, right? Well, this is uh, Dallas from Memoir Launch, and I just explained to you the best way to profitably push your ideas out into the world in a form of mass movements. So like I said, if you're interested in that, click the link uh, here in the podcast notes in the description, whatever you want to call it. And man, I really, 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 uh, the business, you know, the mission of this business, there's a handicap, you know, on writers in the world. There's a huge gap between ID and text. And a lot of people are handicapped. They can't clear that gap. And it's the mission of this business to invent technology that erases that gap once and for all. So I want you to be part of this cause, man. I really look forward to speaking to you. I look forward to working with you. I look forward to like knocking this out of the park and welcoming the future with open arms. So I'm not going to go on on and on. But uh, like I said, if you're interested in being part of the beta, if you're interested in being part of the future, um, click down below. Uh, for the beta also, the entire process of marketing your book, um, designing campaigns to actually launch that thing out to the world, completely free, by the way. Completely free. And so click down in the bio below. It'll be a link down there. Uh, without further ado, you know I suck at closing things out. This is Dallas from Grand Design and from Memoir Launch. And I look forward to speaking with you and actually helping you get these ideas out, man. Peace.